part three of our series um, called Integrity. And today what we're going to talk about is appetites. Let me ask you, have you ever known somebody who's had an appetite? And you just, it's almost like you could predict their future because you knew that somebody, maybe it was a coworker that you worked with, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a, your spouse or even your kid, and you just knew they had this appetite, right? And because they had this appetite, you knew if, if something came around them that they were going to jump at it. I mean, they, oh, they got such an appetite for that. And so, I mean, sometimes you even told other people, you're like, don't bring that around Michael because you know if Michael gets that offer. Oh, if you offer that to Michael, if you bring that around Michael, oh, he's going to go for it. Because why? Because you know that person's appetite. And because you know that person's appetite, it's almost as if you could predict their future. Because you know what they're going to do. If the right thing came around, if the right thing happened, you know they were going to go after it. And here's the thing when it comes to appetites. Appetites, you either rule them or they rule you. Appetites have this potential to greatly impact our future, and most definitely our quality of life. So when it comes to an appetite, you either have to rule them or they rule you. And here's the thing about appetites. Appetites, they don't really care about what you believe, right? I mean, because you know this. You know this to be true. We, we can all believe right and still do wrong. It's such an important part of especially the Christian faith. I mean, when you believe you can believe the right things you can know scripture inside and out backwards and forwards you can believe all the right things and still do wrong but why is that why is it that you can believe the right things and still do the wrong things and and the answer is is because of your appetites because your appetites they pose a threat to your integrity because you can have all the best intentions. You, you can believe all of the right things. But that appetite can come around and it can put your integrity at risk. There, there's a higher probability of you, you failing your integrity because of your appetites. We've been in this series talking about integrity. And, and, and here's the definition of integrity, just to catch you guys up. Integrity is doing the right thing because it's the right thing, even if it costs you. And we've been talking about this idea of integrity, that every single one of us, every single one of us, we feel this, this ought to, right? And integrity, it's an ought to that, 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 that we assume everyone around us is accountable to that didn't originate with you. That you, you have this, this, this feeling that something is holding sway over you. And just inside of you, in your conscience, there's just this, this voice that's telling you, this is what you ought to do. And, and you have to choose whether or not you're going to listen to that voice or not, that ought to. And that ought to is the same ought to that, that, that you hold others accountable to. When they, when they lie to you, when they cheat, when they steal, when they hurt, I mean, you go, hey, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. Where, where does that come from? It's this ought to inside of you. And you know the thing about this ought to, this integrity, is you, you know that it didn't originate with you. You don't know where it comes from, but yet it's something that we all feel like we're accountable to, whether you're religious or you're not. And see, and that's the thing. That's the thing about integrity. To believe in the existence of integrity is to acknowledge the existence of the divine. Because we all know this to be true. If integrity was something that in originated with us, if integrity was something that we just made up, 
well, we would just get rid of it because it gets in our way. But no, for, for, for as long as we can remember, there are certain ought-tos inside of you that, that, that you can't get rid of, that, that you can't do away with, that, that, that you feel pulling you in, in a certain direction. And, and it's almost as if that, that ought-to, it's, it's anchored to someone. It's anchored to something. And see, and that's the thing, whether you're a religious person or not, whether you believe in God or not, to believe in that is, is to believe in the existence of the divine. It's admitting that there is something inside of you that didn't originate with you that holds sway over you. It's quite an interesting conversation for somebody who, who would be an atheist, for somebody who doesn't believe that there's, that there's anything divine. Well, then where does that come from? So to believe in integrity is to believe in the, the divine. Because if it's not anchored to someone or something, then, well, then the words like fair and right and just, moral, those are just made-up words. It has to be anchored to something. And then last week we talked about uh, this, this awesome little proverb. It's going to be here on the screen. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. This, this awesome proverb tells us that integrity is what guides successful people. Successful people, they're upright. And remember, we talked about what upright is. We talked about how it's looking ahead. We talked about how it's not just about looking, being crooked and looking at what's in front of you, looking at what you can have right now, but, but looking beyond that, looking at what you really want in your life, looking at the end of your life, looking at when your life is nothing more than a story to tell, what story is it that you want told? It's looking that far ahead and not just being satisfied with what you can have right now, but being upright and being guided by your future goals, by your future hopes and dreams. So we, we talked about this for two weeks, right? We all feel this ought to that's inside of you that, that didn't originate with you that you hold everybody is accountable to. Right, 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 right. So we're all on the same page about that, right? And we talked about how successful people are people of integrity. They're people who are upright, people who are looking ahead. Okay, yep, 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 yep. That all makes sense. Okay, so then that leaves us with an important question, right? And the important question is this. So why don't people just do what they ought to do? Great question, Mike. Why, why don't people just do what they ought to do? I mean, it seems so simple. It seems like everybody knows. It seems like everybody hears this little voice on their conscience that tells them lying is wrong, stealing is wrong, taking advantage of people is wrong, lust is wrong. I mean, we all know what we ought to do, so why don't we just do it? I mean, it's in our benefit. I mean, successful people, they are people of integrity. They're people that look ahead. So why don't people do what they're supposed to do? And the answer is appetites. That's why. Our appetites cause a constant threat to our integrity. Because every single one of us, we have these, these appetites. These appetites that are in front of us. And the thing is, is that every day, every day you have to say no to one to protect another. Every single day we get put in these circumstances where we have to say no to one to protect another. You know, it, it, it's a new year, and so, you know, I'm trying to get back on track myself, you know, so I've been counting my macros again and watching what I eat and everything, and, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, I lost five pounds. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I know the comment section right now is just blowing up with, man, Mike, you look great, fantastic, totally noticed. Okay, so anyway, um, but, you know, I'm counting my macros again. I'm trying to watch, and the thing is, is that 
every day I have appetites. I love food. I really do. I love food. I love food. I love sweet little drinks. I love treats. I mean, I love all those things. But the thing is, is that I know what I want in the future, okay? I know in the future I'm trying to reach that Zac Efron level so I can finally satisfy my wife, you know? And so I'm looking ahead. Y'all can't see this, but Adam just spit drink everywhere in the sound booth right now. He didn't see that one coming. Uh, I'm trying to reach that Zac Efron level in the future so I, can, so I can satisfy my wife properly, right? But anyway, you know, so I've got to say no to what's in front of me to achieve my goals. I've got to say no to my appetite to protect what I really want. And that's the thing when it comes to integrity, is that I've got to say no to my appetites and say no to what's in front of me to protect it. Either you say no to an appetite to protect your integrity, or you say no to your integrity to satisfy an appetite. And you know, there are all kinds of appetites that we have. Appetites, here's here's just kind of a, a, a list of them. I mean, appetites of sex or lust, intimacy, acceptance, inclusion, respect, fame, winning, material possessions, to be desired, recognition. I mean, when we think appetites, we, we, we think food, but I mean, here's a list of appetites that we all have. And, and here's where it gets really, really complicated, okay? This is where it gets really complicated. There's a problem here. And the first problem is this, is that when it comes to appetites, God created them. See, here's the thing, and I have this discussion with people all the time. People come to me, there's a there, there, there's, a weak, there's a weak link in the chain, right? Or there's a problem. There's an appetite that they have. It's pulling them away from their success. It's pulling them away from, from who they want to be. Pulling them away from their future hopes and dreams. And they say to me, Mike, I got I to kill this appetite. I got to kill this desire in me. I want to kill it. I want to numb it. I want to I hold it down and smother it, right? But the thing is, I always tell people, is that you can't. And the, and the reason you can't is because those appetites that you have, God gave you those for a reason. God gave you those because in the right place, they're good things. Okay, but I, We talk about this a lot, and I, I'll go back to it again. Sex is a good thing, people. Okay, God created sex. God created sex, and in the right place, sex is a good thing. You don't ever want to kill that appetite because God put it there for a reason. The problem is, is that we sometimes use it in the wrong place. Winning, competition, being recognized, wanting to be included, those are all good appetites. Those are good things. We don't ever want to kill those things. We don't ever want to destroy those things. Those are good things that God put there for a reason, and God created them. We don't ever want to kill those parts of us. Part of those appetites that you have, God put there, that, that's part of who you are, part of who God created you to be. But the thing is, is that God created them, but sin distorted them. So here's the thing. As we talk about this conversation, you may, you may become aware of an appetite that you have. And you may go, man, I want to kill this. I want to destroy it. But here's, here's what I want you to know. Here's the complicated thing. You can't. God created them. Sin distorted them. They're not necessarily bad things, but they can definitely be used in the wrong way. And the second thing is this. Appetites, they are never, ever, ever satisfied. Come on, you know this. 
You ever taken one bite of ice cream? Not, not a person on God's green earth that has ever taken one bite of, of ice cream, okay? No. You get that little tub of Ben and Jerry's, that thing's gone, okay? It takes a person of major self-control to be able to put that lid back on. It don't happen, right? You ever been satisfied with one car? You ever been satisfied with one phone? You ever been satisfied with one promotion? Have you ever been satisfied with one thank you? No, absolutely not. You know why? Because appetites are never satisfied. And that's something so important to remember when it comes to dealing with your appetites. You you know what's going to happen? The thing is, when it comes to appetites, the thing is, when when it comes to appetites, if so many times you go, well, it's just this one time. No. Never on earth has anybody ever said just this one time and it's ever been the last time. It's never the last time. There's always at least one more time. Appetites are never fully satisfied. So know this. If you give in to an appetite once, probably the same appetite is going to rear its head again. Another opportunity is going to present itself. And another opportunity is going to present itself eventually. So moving on, the third thing is this. Appetites tempt us to opt for now over later. Appetites always say, do it now. Do it now. Not, not, not later, now. And here's the thing to remember. Again, these appetites, they're not a bad thing. Winning, being successful, getting ahead, those are not bad things. But the problem is, is that you have to realize that that appetite that you have, it will always tell you to go the shorter route. And usually the shortest route is the route of the least amount of integrity. So in business, in, in your job, there's always going to be a short route to get to where you want to be, to get to the top, to get that promotion, to get above people. But know this, that appetite, it's going to always show you the shortest route to get there. And the shortest route is always going to be the route of the least amount of integrity. So the question that you have to ask yourself is this, will my integrity guide me or will my appetite guide me? Will my integrity guide me, or will my appetite guide me? And there's a great story that, that illustrates this principle for us today. Um, and it's a story that you may have heard before. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Genesis. And it's Esau and Jacob. Now, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this the other way around, right? You've probably heard it as Jacob and Esau. And there's a reason for that. See, these were Abraham's grandsons. And it should be pronounced Esau and Jacob because Esau was the oldest. And the oldest always comes first. But we always know it as Jacob and Esau, right? And there's a reason for that. And there's a story about that. See, they were grandsons, grandsons of Abraham. And one of them, Esau, he was a, he was a man's man. He, he, he was a hunter. He, he loved to, to go out and hunt, and he, he looked like Rip from Yellowstone is what he looked like, okay? So this is a man's man. He probably had a beard. He was probably muscular. He probably did CrossFit, you know? Um, he, was a, he was a man's man. He was big, buff. He loved to hunt. He had a beard, and he was cool, and he probably only said like three words at a time. I mean, he was a man's man, <laughs> okay? And then he had a brother. He had a younger brother now named Jacob, and Jacob was not like Esau, Okay? Jacob didn't like to hunt. Jacob liked to cook. He, he, he liked nice things. He, he enjoyed scented candles and, and salt baths, you know? He, 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 he wasn't like his brother Esau. He manscaped, and he was just a little di- differently. <laughs> 
I do have a small audience in here, and they make me laugh from time to time. But he, he, he was different. Jacob was just, was just different. And, and so the scripture actually tells us this. If we look at the story, it says, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Yeah, he, he liked the tents. And so this caused a little bit of tension, but not just the thing that they were different from one another, uh, but, but also, too, in, in their family. It says this in, in, in the next verse, I, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved the oldest, Esau, but Rebekah, the mother, loved Jacob. Now, what we have here in what they were kind of uh, competing for was the birthright. So, uh, the, the oldest Esau was, was, given, was going to be given the birthright. The, back then, in, in this time in history, the birthright was always given to the oldest. didn't matter their qualifications or anything like that. Just because they were the oldest, they got the birthright. And this was very important for three reasons. The first reason is you got a double portion of your father's inheritance, which basically means you got everybody's inheritance. Okay, You were going to be given a double portion of, of your father's inheritance. Not only that, though, probably the even bigger deal is that if you were the oldest, you were given judicial rule over your family. So basically, if there was a dispute in the family, you were the one who got to decide what was law. You would, you would take everybody's stories into account, take in all the facts, and you as the oldest would say, well, I have the birthright, so I'm going to tell you what's fair, I'm going to tell you what's right, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here. So that was a really, really big deal. But then the third thing that you got that was just kind of a, a, a cool thing was is you got your father's blessing. And getting your father's blessing was like getting a yay God from God. Like, you're, you're the man, you get my stamp of approval. So this was a really big deal. So Esau was guaranteed this birthright. But also, he was the favorite of the fathers. Jacob was very different than Esau. And so you can kind of see how this tension is here, right? So then one day, Esau, he goes out hunting. And again, you've probably heard this story before. Esau, he goes out hunting, and he comes in, and this is what the Scripture tells us. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, and he was famished. Now, this word famished, it literally means depleted. He was, he was just famished. He was depleted. He, he had no electrolytes, all right? He was, he was tired. He, he, he was hungry, and he was, just, he was just famished, right? So already his appetite is stirred up. His appetite, it is, it is turned on, right? He, he is ready to go. And, and so the thing is, is that those appetites are ready to go, and then all of a sudden he comes in and he smells. He smells this stew, right? The stew is here, and he goes, oh, man, I need me some of that, right? And so then all of a sudden, this is what happened. He said to Jacob, quick, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. I need me some of that red stew. Give me some of that. So his appetites are turned on. He wants some of that stew. He can smell it, and he's like, man, give me some of that. That, that is something that I want. And then Jacob, he throws out an offer. He goes, hmm, let me, let me ask you something. First, uh, before we talk about this too, sell me your birthright. Now, now here's what happened in this scenario. And if you, if you have siblings, you've been put in this scenario before. All of a sudden, 
Esau comes in, and you know how older siblings are. Older siblings, they rarely, if ever, need the help of a younger sibling, right? And that younger sibling always looks up to the older sibling, man. They just always get to get, you know, do what they want, and they're like, they, they are where you are. And then every once in a while, there comes this opportunity where the older sibling needs the younger sibling's help. You remember that time, older siblings, where you had to come to your younger sibling, and you're like, all right, look, so here's the deal. I, I'm in a jam, and I really, I really, really need your help, right? And the younger sibling, right? I mean, when you get put in that scenario, like when that happens, you're like, you're like Jacob. You're like, oh, you need my help, huh? Oh, how the turntables have turned. And you're like, this is my moment. This is my opportunity. Oh, I'm going to take advantage of this. And that's exactly what Jacob does. Jacob, you know, when you're in those scenarios and you, like, try to barter, you know what I mean? You're like, well, you know, tell me what you're going to give me. Um, clean, my, clean my room for two weeks and I won't tell mom, right? You always start at the top and you kind of go down the line of, like, you know, what, what, what you're willing to trade for. And so Jacob, he shoots for the moon. He goes straight for the top. He goes, well, tell you what, I'll give you some of this stew, but sell me your birthright. Now, I just explained to you what a birthright is. I mean, come on. Uh, who in the world, who in the world, who in their right mind would trade their future for a bowl of stew? Great question. Who in their right mind would trade their future for a bowl of stew? Who in the right mind would trade their marriage for a bowl of stew? Who in their right mind would trade their relationship with their kids for a bowl of stew? Who in their right mind would trade their reputation for a measly bowl of stew? Who in the world would throw away their career for a bowl of stew? So here's the thing. We, we, we look at this story, and from the outside, we go, Oh my goodness, this is so stupid. Who in the world would trade their future for a bowl of stew? You know what? The answer is, well, sometimes you. Because how many times have we traded in our future for something as small, if not smaller, than a bowl of stew? How many times have we come to the point where we traded a piece of our marriage for a bowl of stew? How many times have we potentially almost thrown away our relationship with our kids for something small, or if not smaller, than Something as small as a bowl of stew. See, from the outside looking in, you always look at these stories and these situations and go, come on, you know what the right thing to do is. You know what you ought to do. But yet we've all been in those situations and those scenarios where we traded in our future for something that we could have right now. Why? Because we were famished. Because we had a long day. Because we were tired, because we needed it now, and we traded it in. See, the thing is, is you're not so different from Esau. And Esau, he responded, and he said this. He said, look, I'm about to die. And that's what you've said before, haven't you? But I need it. I have to buy it. They're on sale. I don't have one. I'll be, I pro I'll be happy if I get it. I, I need it. I've had such a long day. I, I, I'm so tired. I've been taking care of the kids. I, I'm, I'm so stressed out. I'm just, I'm so over it. I'm about to die. I mean, come on, Esau, dramatic much? 
He's not going to die. But again, you've, you've been in the same boat, haven't you? you? You've been in those times in your life where you were okay. But you were, you were so famished and you were so tired and you were like, I'm going to die. And you were so dramatic and it's what led you to your demise. It's what led you to going after this appetite that you have instead of protecting your future. And so you, you traded in your future for a bowl of stew. And so it goes on, and Esau says, look, I'm about to die. And he says to himself, what good is the birthright to me? Can you believe this? He looks at his birthright. He looks at his future, and he goes, well, you know, what, what, what good is a birthright anyway? And I'm going to add two words that are really going to open up this text. What good is the birthright to me right now? Which is what we do all the time, don't we? Where we're in that situation where we're like, I'm dying, I'm tired, I need it, I need it now. How, how do we justify that decision? How do we justify giving in to that appetite? Well, what good is my birthright to me right now? I'll handle that problem later. Well, what, what good are these calories to me right now? It's fine. I'll make it up later. Well, well, what good is my spouse to me right now? You know, right, right now, I'll tell you what, my spouse is being up right now, and so you know what, what good, is she, what good is he or she to me right now? You know what, I'll deal with that later. Well, what good are my kids to me right now? You know what, right now, I'll deal with that later. My kids aren't even ever going to know about it. If they ever find out about it, I'll deal with it later. See, we justify it to ourselves. And we look at our future and we go, well, that's no good to me right now. Right now, what I could have is what I have this appetite for. I'll deal with that later. And so Esau trades in his birthright, his future, for, for, for a bowl of stew. And this is what it said. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. So it was a handshake deal, which back then meant a whole, whole lot. I mean, that was, that was a contract. That was ironclad. And so he trades in his birthright. And then Jacob says, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some stew. So Jacob, he, he really made it nice. I mean, he was probably just loving this right now. He's like, oh, don't worry. I got some bread for you, too, for that stew. Oh, enjoy it. Enjoy it. He gave him some stew, and Esau, he ate and he drank, and he got up and left. He ate, he drank, and it was over, and the stew was gone. No more stew left. And you know what happened? This last line is so, so important. So Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. You know the thing, whenever, whenever we do this, whenever Esau despised his birthright, the thing is, is that every single one of us, when we get put in this scenario, when we trade in our future for a bowl of stew, all of a sudden what happens is, is we, we decide we don't care when it's too late to care. Right? I mean, it means so much to you. Your, your health, your health means so much to you. And then you trade it in for a bowl of stew. 
And then all of a sudden you go, well, I, don't, I didn't really care about my health anyway. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be some kind of supermodel or anything else. You know what I mean? So it's, not that, it's all about balance. It's not that big a deal. Who wants to be healthy anyway? I'm, you know, it's not even a big deal to me. I don't even really care, right? Or, or when it comes to your finances, right? Sometimes we trade in our future finances, our future hopes and dreams, in for a bowl of stew, and when we make a bad decision, we go, well, it's not that big a deal anyway. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's all going to work itself out. I mean, it, it was on sale, and it, it's, any, it's not a big deal, and everybody does it. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it's going to be fine, right? I mean, then all of a sudden we decide we don't care when it's too late to care, but yet before we did care. Or when it comes to our relationships, all of a sudden, we cared so much about our marriage. We cared so much about our relationship with our kids. I mean, we took vows. We made promises. We said we were going to do certain things. And then in the moment, we go, well, what good is that to me now? We trade in our future relationship goals for a measly bowl of stew. And then when we're done, we go, oh, no, I messed up. And we know we messed up. That, that, that ought to inside of you that you hold others accountable to, you can hear it screaming at you that you just messed up. And so what do we do? We decide we don't care. We try to convince ourselves that it's not that big a deal. Why? Because it's too late to care. And then the thing is, is you create this narrative in your head, right? You, you, you create this reasoning in your head why it's okay why you did what you did. I mean, I had to lie, man. Michael, pastor, I had to lie. If I hadn't lied, this is what would have happened. You know how, how this would have done this? And it's not even a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's, just, it's a little white lie. It's not, a, it's not a big deal. I had to do it. If I didn't do it, I, you know what would have happened? I had to do that at work. I, I had to do it. I had to throw somebody under the bus. I had to keep that from HR. I had to. If I hadn't, do you know what would have happened? So, yeah, of course I, you know, I, I did things a little shady. Of course I, I lied a little bit. Of course I covered up the truth. I mean, I had to. I had to. I, I had to. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. See, we create these narratives in our head. And here's the thing. You do it once and you get away with it. You're probably going to do it again. And then you live this life as a hustler where you're just kind of telling the truth and you're, you've convinced yourself that lying is not that big a deal, throwing people under the bus not that big a deal, gossip's not that big a deal. You know, I'm just informing people. I just, people need to know. Well, I just thought they, that, that they should hear it from me. And we do all this stuff and we create all these narratives and then all of a sudden we have this life full of narratives and lies and cover-ups and it really starts to change you. Starts to change who you are and how you are in relationships. And the thing is, is you start to lie to yourself. You become a liar. And here's the thing. You can't be yourself as long as you're lying to yourself. You can't be yourself as long as you're lying to yourself. And the thing is, our appetites, our appetites are competing for your integrity. And our appetites, they're competing for your future. 
And the thing is, is when it comes to appetites, you either rule them or they ruin you. I'll say it again. They either rule, you rule them, or they will ruin you. So, let me ask you a question. What's your bowl of stew? For some of you in your past, you've traded in your future for a bowl of stew. For some of you in the past, you traded in your future for a one-night stand. For some of you in the past, you traded your future for a bad purchase that you should have never made. A bad investment that you should have never made. For some of you, you traded in your future just to get a little bit ahead at work. For some of you, you traded in your future for peace, to get along with other people, to not bring up the dirt that needed to be dealt with, to not deal with the problem that's been in the family for a long time, to deal with the problem between you and your spouse, to deal with the problem between you and your kids. You've done a real good job of creating narratives of why we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the Bruno. (laughs) Right? Let me ask you something. What's your bowl of stew? What's your bowl of stew from your past? What's your bowl of stew that's in front of you right now? You're famished and you're tired and you're depleted. And there's something in front of you right now. It's on that phone. It's on that screen. It's on Amazon. It's at Target. It's out there. It's that, it's that person at work that keeps telling you that you're better than that. You deserve better than that. It's that opportunity that keeps calling you, saying, you, get, you need to get in on this. You need to invest now. You need to do this. It just, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's go through it this way. It, it's so many different things. What, what's your bowl of stew? What is your bowl of stew? And really, the question that we're really getting to is this. What's competing with your integrity? What is it? that you are justifying your way through and creating narratives for that is potentially going to destroy your future, potentially going to destroy your future hopes and dreams. When you, At the end of your life, when your life is it's a story to tell, your story is just a story to tell, what story do you want told? The way, the integrity of the upright, it guides them. The crooked, they... They look at their bowl of stew that they can have right now and they justify why they should take it. They justify why they should do this, why they should hide this, why they should keep this away from people, why they should take this now and trade in their future. Look, I don't want you to end up there. Because here's what happens. At the end of the story, if you continue to read, and it would be a great read for your devotions this week, if you continue to read the story, this, this event between Jacob and Esau, it, it broke the family apart. For generations, it led to destruction and, and hurt and pain in their lives, all because of this bowl of stew that was traded in. And the thing is, is that that's exactly what happens because at the end of this 
story, Esau looks back and goes, why did I trade in my whole future for that stupid bowl of stew and measly bread? And that's how it goes, guys, is I know that what's in front of you right now, it looks and it smells and it seems so appealing. But if you trade in your future for a bowl of stew five years from now, ten years from now, when you're retired, at the end of your life, you'll look back and you'll go, why in the world did I go after that bowl of stew? I had dreams and I had goals and I knew what I wanted and I was about to achieve them. I was doing what I needed to do and then I traded it all in for a stupid bowl of stew. I traded it in for that one brief moment of pleasure. I traded it in just to get a little bit ahead and even when I did get ahead, still wasn't enough. So what is it that's competing with your integrity? I would ask that you would spend some time in prayer this morning asking God what that is. And when you find out what that is, when you identify what that bowl of stew is, you remove it as best you can. You rule it instead of it letting it ruin you. You control it. You use that appetite in the right way. And, but realize that sometimes you're going to have to say no to what's in front of you to achieve what you want that's ahead of you. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I want to give you a moment to talk to God about that. So will you bow your heads with me wherever it is you're listening or you're watching from? Father God, you know what that bowl of stew is. That bowl of stew that's in front of me it is in competition with my integrity. It has the potential to greatly impact my future. So help me to not be like an Esau. Would you help me to not trade in my future? Would you keep my eyes upright? Would you help me to continue to look ahead? Help me to not trade in what I can have now for what I really want later. If there's a bowl of stew in front of me, would you help me to rule this appetite that I have so that it doesn't ruin me, Lord? God, if there's, if there's some sort of accountability that I need, some sort of help, Would you help me to seek that out? Would you help me to seek out that small group? Would you help me to seek out that friend for accountability so that I can have some help? Because I can't do it on my own because I've shown, Lord, I'm weak. I have an appetite. And so, God, would you show me, would you help me have a courage to reach out for help? God, if there's a bowl of stew in my past, a bowl of stew that I, I took that I should have never taken, Lord, would you help me to repair that experience? Would you help me to prepare that broke, repair that brokenness? God, if it's counseling, if there's something that's been swept up and been dealt with, and I need to deal with it, I need to deal with that past, I need to, I need to find some kind of peace, God, would you, 
help me to seek out the counseling that I need, seek out the guidance that I need? Would you help me to make amends to the people that I hurt by grabbing that bowl of stew? When I forgot everybody else, when I said, well, what good are they to me now? What, what good is my family to me now? What good is this relationship to me now? Those times when I, when I did that, God, would you help me to repair those relationships? Would you help me to make amends? Would you help me to find peace among those that I hurt in my past? And God, there's many other bowls of stew up ahead. Would you help us to say no to what we can have now and say yes to what we really want? To say yes to your will. To say yes to the law of God that is written on our heart. And to say yes to the kingdom of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I am so glad that you joined us online today. And uh, we look forward to being back here with you uh, in person next week for part four of our series, Integrity. Hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe, and we will be talking to you later.